This is the Calvary Bible Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. We're praying this message encourages you. Learn more about Calvary and join us online each Sunday for services at calvarybible.com. Thanks for joining us for worship on the last weekend of December. In 2020, we had 10 services where we met together in the building. And for the last 42 or more, we have been meeting together in front of the camera, you in front of your screen, and we're glad to be together to worship this last weekend of the year. As you notice, we didn't have any worship music joining us on the front end, and we don't have any on the back end either. Really, today is just about opening God's Word and looking at 2020 and where we're going in 2021. So it's going to be a little bit like a fireside chat, Thomas. Fireside? Fireside oh, chat. One second. Perfect. There. We're good to go. It'll be like a fireside chat together around a really important passage of Scripture that we want to talk with you about, reflect on 2020, think about the year to come, and what God's going to do. So if you have your Bible, let's open together to the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to start at verse 15. You want to read that? Love to. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Paul writes this to the church. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So the first thing that Paul talks about with this church in Ephesus is his thankfulness to God for who they are in their faith and their love for one another. Yeah. He starts this prayer for them giving thanks, thanks for their faith. Your faith in the Lord Jesus, your love for the saints. Really, he's talking to the church, and there are two distinct marks of the church. The true church has faith in Jesus, which is the vertical dependence upon who he is. And, um, you know, without faith in Jesus, you can't be a part of the church. You, You can go to church, you can go through the motions, but being a part of the church that is his body, his bride, his beloved people begins by placing your faith in Jesus. Uh, the apostle John said, I'm, I wrote these things to you that you may believe in the name of the son of God, Jesus Christ, and believing in him, you might know that you have life in his name. So when Paul says, I thank you that you have faith in Jesus, he was talking about their vertical dependence on him and your love for all the saints. Uh, Horizontally, your faith is displayed in the way you love one another. And this really is the mark of a true church, love for God, love for others. Have you ever heard that before? We're building a Christ-centered community of people fully devoted to loving God, loving others. So it is his love or his prayer for the church there that we want to begin with. When we think about Calvary in 2020, um, we've been praying for you. And in many of our prayers in the last year have been prayers of gratitude and thanks, both for your faith and the way that we have witnessed you love one another. I think when we get together, we often talk about the example that Calvary has set of what a church should be doing. As you said, loving God and loving one another and the saints. Where have you seen faith in Calvary in 2020? Okay, so as soon as we could no longer meet together, um, 
several things happened in our church community that I, I thought drew out, is our faith real? Are we going to be able to survive an indefinite period of time of not meeting together? And how will our genuine faith be seen? And we've watched it at Calvary. Um, I can't see you. We can't see you this morning or whenever it is you're watching this. But we've heard from you. Not enough, but we've heard from you. We know you're staying with us. So many people at Calvary have stayed with us. We launched home church groups. And our home church leaders turned on a dime, started meeting together in home churches. Why? Because we didn't want to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. If we couldn't have the big group, we still met in small groups. Um, And that faith was spurred on in these smaller groups. Even at the beginning when the uh, pandemic was unfolding and we said, we know there's going to be people who are going to lose their job and we want to ask you to give to the Benevolence Fund. And so many members of the congregation kind of stepped forward and said, we will give because we want our faith in God to be real and give generously to the needs of our church. And we, we eventually, shortly, within two or three weeks, had to say, please don't give anymore. We have enough. We'll let you know when we need more. And you've been so faithful uh, your faith in the Lord has been demonstrated in many ways. Uh, you know, for me personally, I have seen this in the reports from many home groups, even families that gather around the weekend services or around some of the resources that Calvary has provided this year in how your own faith in God has been deepened in allowing God to refine many things that, you know, they were issues in your life, maybe in your marriage before 2020 and COVID really expose them. You know, that's what all sufferings do. They they put you in a pressure cooker and see what's inside. And so I have heard from many of you that your trust, your love, your prayer life has increased in faith. Um, Here in 2020, we have seen home groups host baptisms. We've hosted baptisms on all three of our campuses um, at different times throughout the season. We have seen people come to faith um, through the online services, through our on lawn services this summer, and to result in in-person baptisms has been an amazing work of God that I've seen in the church as faith has grown up here at Calvary. Yeah, and we know. So this is what we're saying. Paul's saying, I thank God for your faith in the Lord Jesus, your love for the saints. Um, I would just piggyback on that, that COVID has the potential to winnow out faith that wasn't real. And uh, we fear that we've probably lost some people who were in the flow. If, however, uh, just going through the motions, their, their faith has really been interrupted. And we want to pray that their faith will, will grow and be captured through the challenges of this season. But we thank God for you for Calvary Bible Church, for the way you've demonstrated love for one another and your genuine faith in God. Uh, So as this year is coming down to a close, we could say with Paul, I give thanks to God for you. And uh, I give thanks to God for all the people around the ministry of Calvary who have helped make all these services happen for us, for the production team, for the, the, the recording team, the worship teams, uh, the home church teams who have made all these things possible in a really challenging time. We have so much to be thankful for, and we do. So that's the way Paul begins this chapter. I give thanks in my prayers when I think about you. In verse uh, 16, then, he picks up, 
I don't cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And then he goes to the second section, what it is he's thankful for and what he prays for, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. So here Paul is writing to the church. And I think it's important for us to remember that before we enter this section, as he prays thanksgiving for the church, and then he's praying for their ability to see, realize, to access something that belongs to them because they are a part of Christ, because they're a part of his church. And he's praying that their eyes of your heart would be enlightened. And we often think of heart as our emotive center. Uh, I think when, when Paul's speaking of the heart in the, in the Judeo-Christian uh, setting, it's really the, the, the ethos of a person, the centerpiece of a person. It's mind and heart. It's the operation of how you think and behave. And so at the centerpiece of who you are, I want you to be able to see what Christ has given you because of your faith that's a resource for you. And there's three things. It's a hope, an inheritance, and a power that is yours, Christian. And so here Paul begins to pray for this church that they would see what is theirs in Christ. And since we're sort of fireside chatting, can we just tell you one of the things we've really missed over the last 10 months is being able to see your eyes. And being able to see whether what you're doing right now, are you watching your phone or you're doing something else or, you know, you're eating your cereal while you're watching church. I, I can't see. You, you, don't, you don't get to see whether or not who's listening is with you. When you look in someone's eyes, you can basically see how are they doing today? You know, are, are they encouraged? Are they sad? Are they fearful? When you look in the eye, you can tell how someone's doing. And that's what Paul's saying. I, I want the eyes of how you're doing in your heart to be able to see what is really yours. Um, I want the eyes of your heart to be enlightened so that your heart will know what really belongs to you because you have faith in Jesus. So how are the eyes of your heart? What do you see? What do you know is really yours? That's the flow of the prayer here. I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened that you would know certain things. And knowing those certain things would change the way you live. And then he describes these three blessings that really are ours because of faith in Christ. And I think a lot of people live without knowing them. I read a illustration, a story this week um, one of my hero preachers is Warren Wearsby. He was at Moody Bible Institute, and uh, I've listened to him and read his books. And he told the story of the wealthy William Randolph Hearst, who 
read an article about a piece of artwork. He already had an extensive collection, but he read about this exquisite piece of art, and he said, I've got to have that. And he commissioned one of his agents to go find that piece of art and to buy it at any cost. So after several months of research and searching, scouring the world for this exquisite piece of art, the agent came back to Hearst and said, Mr. Hearst, you already own that piece of art. It's in one of your warehouses and has been for many years. When I read that story, I thought, I wonder if these blessings that Paul is praying for the church to understand with a greater vision, these are our blessings. Whether we're just going through the motions and not really knowing that these things are ours through Christ. And the first one of them is that God may give you a spirit of wisdom having the eyes of your heart enlightened so that you may know the hope to which he has called you. That's a great word. We've just spent the month of December talking about hope. Our need for it, God's promise that he would send it, the actual arrival of Christ into the world on Christmas morning, and the very true reality that hope has a name. It's Jesus, that you would know the hope of his calling, that he's called you mostly to an eternal hope that you are going to make it through everything you go through in this life and you're going to receive eternal life. The hope of glory, Jesus Christ our Lord. I wonder if you have that hope. Uh, as we've traveled through December, how's the hope meter? And does it really change the way I see my difficulties knowing that nothing can happen in this life that will jeopardize my eternal hope. Nothing will separate me from the love of God that is in Christ. Nothing will rob me from my eternal salvation, which is reserved for me in heaven, imperishable, undefiled, will not fade away. My hope of heaven, which is mine because of my faith in Christ, and yours too. You have this hope. Anything you'd add to that? You know, I think it's so great that you remind us what Paul's saying here, that these aren't to go be acquired, that they are yours. They, they're in your storehouses, so to speak. You have to go and access them. You, you have access to them. They need to well up in you. And if 2020 has given us one opportunity, it is the opportunity to grow up in, access in, to our great hope. Paul writes another letter to a church in Rome. This is Romans chapter five, verse two. So it says, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to you. So 2020 with its challenges, perhaps its sufferings for you is the opportunity for you to find the greater depths of hope that are in the storehouses of Christ to which you belong. Yeah, you already possess. Yeah. So if that's the first one, we, we pray this for you, that eyes would be open, that your hearts would receive, be enlightened with the great hope that you have, according to the calling that God has put for, that you belong to him. The second piece is of inheritance. 
What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Now, there's two ways you can read this. And perhaps over time, there have been some great scholars who have read this different ways. It's the inheritance in the saints, either speaking of God's inheritance as his possessed people, or is it our inheritance because of what Christ has done? So here's kind of how you pull it apart. So either one, it's the inheritance in the saints, God's inheritance with his people. So if you open the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 7, Psalm 135, what you see is God saying of Israel, of his people, you are my people of my choosing. My possession is Jacob in the house of Israel. It's picked up later also by the New Testament writers. You have Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. It says, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a possession of mine. So is this his inheritance, his possession, or is it our inheritance? And others who would believe that would say, okay, well, look at the context here. Just look back a few verses. Look in verse 11. We're talking about all of these spiritual blessings we have in Christ in him we have obtained an inheritance. Speaking of our inheritance that's coming, our future. Verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So you can either read this and say, okay, it's God's inheritance that he has chosen a people to be redeemed and conform to the likeness of his son. This is his eternal plan to bring a people, conform a people to the image of his perfect son, Jesus Christ, and then gift his son with it. Or is it our inheritance that we have because we're linked in and connected to Christ, that Christ has a great inheritance and he shares it with those who are in him. Whichever way you read it, the bottom line is the same, is this. I want your eyes to see and your heart to know, your mind to be informed, that you are secure in the family of God in, and in God's future. So that, that you would know that your position, that nothing in this world is gonna change the fact that you belong in the family of God. He possesses you. And because you are possessed by him, you have this great future that is secure that God's future of wiping every tear and mending every wound, perfecting both heaven and earth, his will done perfectly is yours. That sort of security is a way that we build in our boldness and our courage to live in today. And so that's the inheritance piece. And then the final piece here is verse 19. And I wanna pray that your eyes would light, be lightened to what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the workings of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above the rule, authority, power, and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but the age to come. That there is a great power that is yours in Christ. This is your resource, Christian that's accessed in Christ. It's not you have to go acquire it. It is yours that the spirit of God dwells in you. And the writer here, Paul points out that this power, he actually uses four words for power in Greek here and that are, you know, the English translators are picking up with synonyms, greatness, power, towards working, that's energized, great might. Because this repetition wants to reinforce how amazing the power of God is. Paul puts it right here. I think this is phenomenal that this power 
is the same power that raised Christ from the grave and brought him to the right hand of God and gives his rule in this age and the age to come over every domain, region, every authority, every ruler and every name belongs Christ. And it's your resource to live through these challenging days. So the enlarging capacity to see that, to experience that, is what Paul's praying for them. That power is unequaled, unrivaled, unparalleled, the power of God to raise Christ from the dead, to conquer sin and death for all of eternity, to capture a group of people, bring them into heaven redeemed. That's the power of God that Paul prays. You might know it in a greater fashion in your own life, which is to suggest in 2021, one of the things that we might pray together, God, help me to know my eternal hope, my inheritance in eternity to shape today, and the power of God that raised Christ that would help me in my life. Do you think God can help you overcome the problems of your life, the sin of your life, the addictions of your life, the marriage breakup, the, the trouble that you're in? Can the power of God overcome those things? What do you think Paul's saying? I pray your heart will be enlarged to see the power of God to do in your life, in you, what God wants to do for his glory. It's phenomenal that there's actually only one prerequisite to experiencing God's power. And that is that you would bring your weakness to him. When Paul says his power is made perfect in our weakness. So to those questions, will I be able to, can I have enough energy or can I be free from addictions or behaviors or can I see a better day? The answer is, well, you in your own strengths is weak, but in Christ is the power to overcome all these things. And that's the truth for this whole passage. When Paul gives this great prayer of thanksgiving and then a prayer that they would be enlightened to see these things, the centerpiece of it all is Christ. We're giving thanks to God that you have faith in Christ. I give thanks for your love for one another in Christ. I ask that you would see the hope, inheritance, and power in Christ. And so look at these last two verses here. And he put all things under his, that's Christ's feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is why Christ is the centerpiece of the church, why Christ is the centerpiece of Calvary. We're building Christ-centered communities, those who want to look and dwell on the risen and exalted Christ. And we're actually going to do that as we step into 2021 in our next teaching series to put our eyes on Christ. Yeah. So important. Actually, in 2020, we spent a long time looking at the church that Christ is building. And we talked about the church. And it was a great year for us in 2020 to talk about how does the church function. In 2021, we're making a really important, nuanced focus. We want to look at Jesus Christ. We want to look at him with all of our heart and attention because we really do want to be a Christ-centered community. His hope, our faith in him, his inheritance, his power in us. So how do we get our eyes on Jesus, the one who is the head over all things in the church? To do that, we're starting a new series beginning next week, first week in January. For two months, we're going to look at the I am statements of Jesus. 
particularly in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 8 and verse 58, um, Jesus had a discussion with the Pharisees, and he said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Well, that's a profound statement. And then seven times in the Gospel of John, Jesus has a profound statement that I am. I am, let's see if we can say him. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am resurrection the resurrection life. and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. And Jesus was doing more than just giving an illustration about himself. He was saying, I am the I am. And the next verse in that John 8, 59 says they picked up stones and wanted to kill him. Because Jesus was saying something very fundamental about himself, that he was God, and that as God, he could be the bread that nourishes your soul, the light that would direct your path, the truth that, that would guide you, the vine that would connect you in community, and some beautiful things. We're going to look at Jesus, the head of the church, the one who leads us. So I hope you'll begin to think about 2021 as being a Christocentric year. Jesus at the center. And we pray for you that your faith will be deeply rooted. Your love for one another will grow. Your hope will be grounded in what's real about Jesus. You will experience his power in your life and that you'll continue to join us. And when I say join us, I mean join us because in 2021, um, we've just received word that we're gonna start meeting in a new way. So in 2020, we have not ceased to gather. The church has to gather and we have changed a little bit of the form of how we've gathered in the last 10 months. We wanna add to that as we regather on our weekend, for our weekend services on Sundays on all three of our campuses beginning January 17th. We're gonna do that in the same required recommended ways that we have for all of our gatherings in 2020. So how we've done our large group gatherings on the lawn, how we've done our large group prayer and worship nights, that will be the structure of how we're gonna regather. And we're gonna gather in different phases. When we begin, we're not gonna start with all the same ministries that have, that have happened, that you've known over the years, but we're gonna begin with our worship services and birth through four. And another phase, uh, hopefully starting as soon as possible, we'll begin to uh, open up you know, elementary and then middle and high school. All of those phases and details of how and when will be described beginning in our January newsletter. So you have several weeks between now and January 17th. And there are some things that we should probably do. One is we should talk to our home groups. Yeah. We know that we don't make decision alone. There's been a lot of fruit in our home groups with more than a thousand people gathering in homes in the last 10 months. Yep. And so we're going to want to make sure that we're talking with them. We want to end those well. We want to honor those who have hosted. We want to praise God for what he has done in those relationships. Many, which I consider, uh, or I, I will see moving forward in your own life, that as a home group, you might gather back on the campus, but then you're going to want to gather in the home to continue to discuss and grow and pray with one another. It's been super challenging time. So as we've talked about it, there are several groups of people represented at Calvary. There are people who are isolated alone and they love it. They're okay. 
because they're safe. And then there's others who have been isolated alone and they say, when are we going back in the building? And as you might imagine, we've had this competing um, desire. When are we going back? You better not go back. And how will you go back? And it's been really challenging. So can I take you back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. I thank God for your love for all the saints. We're going to love each other through this next transition. And if you need to talk to your home church about how you're going to make your decision, we ask you to do that. But let, we're going to love each other back as we come back into the building. Knowing that, for some of us, we might say it's not safe for me to come back to church. We're cool with that. That's absolutely fine. Uh, stay with us. We're going to always produce the weekend service. It's going to be available for you to watch at home if you're not comfortable coming out. But for others of us, we're going to regather with social distance, masks, and the ways in which we've practiced already for our prayer gatherings and others. And we're going to re-enter on January 17th. It's exciting. It's so exciting. So hear this of today. What gives us the courage to step into 2021 to give thanks for everything that's happened in 2020 in the midst of all of its challenges is Jesus Christ, is our faith in Christ, our hope, inheritance, and the power of Christ that is ours. And our prayer for you, our prayer for us, is that our eyes would continually be enlightened more and more to see the resources of his great presence and power in our life for the days ahead. These resources give us the boldness and courage to do these things in 2021 for the sake of his name. Yep. Thank you for your faithfulness over this year. Let's pray together as we wrap up 2020 and anticipate what God's gonna do in the coming year. Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege of being together around the Bible, around your word, thinking about the precious treasures that are ours in Christ, our hope, our coming inheritance, and the power of God that dwells within us. May the coming year be a year of experiencing eyes of our heart wide open to your blessings, to your power, to your guidance. I give thanks to you for the challenges and the triumphs of 2020. And I pray for everyone listening to us right now. Lord, hear our prayers of praise to you for what you've done in the past year. And now hear our desires that we would experience more of Jesus, more of the fullness of Christ in us, the hope of glory, living out his life through the church, being your bride in your hands and feet in the world in 2021. This is what we pray for with great thanksgiving for your grace on our church. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen.